Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. Okay, well, thank you very much. I've taken a little bit of a hiatus on the uh, on the podcasting because, uh, you know, just thinking about things and how I wanted it to progress. Um, I appreciate tremendously all of the ongoing support. And uh, we're switching the format a little bit. There will still be some interviews, um, but I'm also transitioning to providing some of my own content. So what you should hear for the next couple of podcast episodes would be more personal stuff, uh, a little bit more teaching, and hopefully different ways I can deliver value to you. As always, I really value your input And if possible, I would appreciate if you would reach out on any of the social channels uh, or just email me, rabbirupp at gmail.com or jrupp at h.edu and provide some suggestions for me of how I could better serve. And one of the things that I'm hoping you will see at this point is that we are extremely focused on living a better life. And one of the most important components of that is getting the direction and the one-on-one work that you need in order to live better. So I am a strong proponent of coaching. I do a lot of coaching myself, and I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, to please do what many other people have done. Reach out. Let's have a conversation. There's no obligation to you whatsoever uh, to see if we might be a good fit to work together. And if that might not be the case, I would be thrilled to introduce you to any of the multitude of options and networks and people that I know who could provide that help. So again, please reach out via social channels, whatever it might be. I don't think I'm too hard to find. Certainly not, I hope. And, uh, and, and let me know how I could be of benefit to you. Thank you so much. Everybody, thank you so much for joining today. It's a real honor and pleasure to join you for the Lunch and Learn today, which is great. And um, my name is Jacob Rupp. I appreciate you being here and uh, making this a part of your day. Uh, Okay, so step number one today is we are going to discuss the importance of making healthy boundaries. Let's get the light over here. Fine. Or just turn it off. Could be. Um, The importance of building healthy boundaries. Now, what in the world does that have to do with anything and why is it relevant that we discuss it today? And frankly, how did I get to a place where I would like to discuss such a topic? Now, first of all, as a general rule, um, we make the mistake oftentimes of thinking that we have to have mastered a topic in order for us to have an opinion that is valid on that. And the reality is that's not true. And it's actually a lesson that Rav Noach Weinberg, a blessed memory, the founder of Eish uh taught everyone, which is that you do not have to know everything to go out and start inspiring people, right? You just have to know a little bit more than where you were yesterday or potentially where people are today. So if a person would say to yourself, to themselves, how can I go out and teach on something or I could never teach on such a topic, Rav Noach Weinberg comes and teaches that that's patently not true because you, you, there's always someone that knows a little bit less than you. And so it's really your obligation in a lot of ways to go out and to be that voice for others. Great. So moving on. Now, what is the idea of a boundary and why is it important? Well, first and foremost, if you see, if you look at how Judaism works, if you look at how the Torah is structured, and if you look at how God created the world, so he created the world with boundaries. Things didn't just, in fact, the reality is that you can't really have anything of meaning without the ability to distinguish, right? We make a blessing every Motzi Shabbat after Shabbos Shabbat goes out, where we say, 
that blessed is God who separates between the holiness and the profane. You see in the creation story where God is, he's creating all kinds of different things, but they're all separate from the other ones. There's night, there's day, there's there's the waters, and then there's the land. There's there's different species and genomes of animals. There's the separating of, of man and woman. So the entire process of creation, of making things that are meaningful and making things that work and that are significant is all through the process of defining and creating and articulating boundaries. Now, what's really fascinating nowadays and what this practically means to us in our lives is that so many of the problems that we undergo and the challenge that we have is because we do not set appropriate boundaries. What does that mean? That means that oftentimes you might find yourself being taken advantage of. You might find people in your life that, that don't, don't quote unquote, add joy, that don't make you into a better person. And oftentimes there's a lot of frustration and stigma and sadness around the fact that there are people in my life that are not making me better. But how in the world would I ever be able to stop them from coming into my life right now because I don't know how to, to have healthy boundaries. And there's a, there's a great thing you see oftentimes there's like kind of like two people, well, not to make it that easy, but you know, when it comes to the coronavirus, so you'll see there are certain people that take it seriously and there are certain people that don't take it seriously. And even to a certain extent, for me personally going out, I'll go for walks. Thank God I live in a beautiful place called Minneapolis and the beautiful place in Minneapolis is not freezing currently. So that's always nice. And you go out on walks and you'll see there are certain people that get really close to each other and there are other people that are able to to maintain that six foot distance and they like buy into it. And it's awkward because like very often they're your friends. And so you're like, well, you know, do we, do we follow this thing or do we not follow this thing? But the idea is if you're able to, to think to yourself, you know, again, if you find yourself being imposed upon, people are touching you or they're getting too close to you. Again, this is an, an idea, an idea a, a situation that comes out specifically because of coronavirus, but in the workplace, right? We know, uh, uh, you know, there was a guy named Harvey Weinstein, uh, who's a, 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 a client of, of someone who I work with. And, and he was someone that, that broke all kinds of boundaries. And as a result, you saw that very terrible things happened to other people. And it was a horrible thing. So, so even though right now we live in the world of coronavirus, and it's kind of easy to see where, where it's important to have distancing, the concept of creating boundaries is something that we deal with a lot. Because there are all kinds of situations in our life, in our workplace, in our, in our families, with our friends, with other people, where we, we, sometimes are affected in a very negative way because we don't know how to set what we'd say appropriate boundaries and, and how that happens and, and really what that means. So first of all, you know, the most basic sense, again, just to go back and qualify for the people that are just joining us, right? Boundaries are what you need in order for the world to make sense. And you see that God is literally just creating boundaries and that's how the world goes out. There's, there's everything and then God more or less comes in and says, no, now we're going to make boundaries, right? So the, 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 that's what a person essentially has to acquire, has to be able to build the, um, the, the, the tools of how to create boundaries if they want their life to progress along a meaningful way that is intentional. And that's really the fascinating thing that a lot of people are upset about, they get upset about, is that we oftentimes find ourselves sort of victims in our own lives. And it's very frustrating. And we have people in our lives that are making us act certain ways or making us feel certain ways or giving us certain kinds of messaging. And we feel like we just have to have that happen and we feel like it's out of our control again and it's and it's a very unnerving feeling right so let's say for example a person would opt to go on a 
I'm not sure, go on jet skis, let's say, for example, or they go on a bumpy road and they're driving the car. So people would say, okay, I, I like doing that because I'm in control of the bumps. But oftentimes the airplane, it's it's not so um, uh, calming for people because they don't feel like they're in control because they feel like they're kind of at the, at the mercy of the elements. And it's the same exact thing when it comes to the relationships and people in our lives is that we feel very often that we are sort of at the mercy of other people. And again, think about it for yourself in your own life who are the people that I feel like I'm out of control when I'm around? It's really fascinating. Again, it's not a great thing. It's a sad thing in a lot of cases, but the, the whole experience of staying at home for a long time for a lot of people are bringing out a lot of negativity for some people, unfortunately, because they're having to confront and deal with these very close relationships that might bring out a certain level of behavior that they wish they didn't have. What does that mean specifically? Um, so the idea is, thank you, uh, the idea is that, um, you know, let's say uh, that, again, we'll just go, we'll go very basically. Let's say you're a, an adult in your parents' home, right? So you, you let's say you're, you, you know, you're in your, you're in your parents' home. And, and a lot of us oftentimes have this experience. Again, pace off, it's great. You know, all of the Yom Tovim, it's great because you get back with your siblings a lot of times. You go back into your parents' home and you find yourself in a lot of ways regressing and having behaviors that you didn't think that you were still doing. And you're like upset because you're like, I don't behave this way. I'm a, I'm a grown person. I have a, uh, a time when that really manifested itself for me when uh, we had the tremendous opportunity for most of our of for most of the time in my life and, and I have been able to make uh, Passover that my sister and her family has been joining us and uh, my sister's three years younger than me and there was a time when they were over I believe it was for Pesach could be it was Sukkot whatever it might be that we were washing you know the Jews will oftentimes before uh, as part of the meal Jews will will go and wash their hands in a ceremonial way before they sit down and they have the bread and so and there's an idea that you don't talk after you wash your hands and so I had just washed my hands and my sister uh, was behind me and she pinched me on the shoulder, did one of those pinches, right? Again, I was a, probably a 35-year-old man, 30, I wasn't that old, 33-year-old 30, man and she was she's three years younger than me. And so you have these two grown-ups and we have our children running around and my sister pinched me and I don't know, honestly, it was such a, it was such a, I didn't think through it, right? And her husband's a big, tall man. I turned around and punched my sister on her shoulder, just like a full man punch to my sister. And it was not in any way, uh, it was like, it just came out of nowhere. And I was like, oh my gosh. And she was like, oh my gosh. And then her husband was like, oh my gosh. I wasn't angry. I was just like, whoa, right? So what happened over there? So even though I'm 33, she's 30 years old, when that di dichotomy, that, that dynamic reintroduced itself in the relationship, right, right away I jumped back into a place where I was a seven-year-old kid and she was four, right? Thank God she was fine. Thank God her husband wasn't offended. I apologize very nicely. I was surprised by the whole thing. But suffice to say that, that we find ourselves, especially in this time, especially around the holidays, going back into relationships with people in our families. And when we have those kinds of relationships, we find ourselves, quote, quote, unquote, regressing back. And oftentimes we're surprised by the fact that we are so affected by the people in our lives. For example, again, you know, you, you, you might be able to build a perfectly wonderful world around you, but when your mother, when your spouse, when your brother, when your sister, when certain people from your past kind of come back into your life and they, and they trigger something in you, you find yourself behaving in a way that you're like, oh my gosh, like what's wrong with me? How did I, why did I do that? And so the reason why this is very important for us to kind of look at and to acknowledge is, thank you, is that, uh, is that we, we, 
oftentimes feel at the mercy of the people in our lives. And the more that we think about it, the more that we can appreciate that there's so much frustration that comes out of the fact that we feel at mercy of other people and even other situations. And we're going to get into that in a moment. But there's a concept that a person, if they don't know how to build meaningful boundaries, again, if you think about it, like a tsunami, which in the physical world we see is such a horrific thing, or coronavirus, right, that it spreads everywhere, right? The inability the fact that there are not boundaries is usually the the greatest um, p potential for destruction possible, right? Because we build our whole lives. It gets a very it's a very good way of explaining this. Not to I'm just saying it's that's how I've, I've heard it explained. Is that you know if you look at it, we build cities, we build build homes, we build our lives around the the normal borders of things. If if you want to live in California, bang, so you you know where to build. If you want to build in Nevada, you build over there. You know if you want to build again Israel, it's a great thing. Like you don't want to get the wrong you don't want to get the wrong the wrong the wrong address where where you start building your home. It could be it's legal that you can't build there. It could be it's not a safe place. Even if you see in, in cities, right, if a person wants to build in a certain, you know, a geographic area code, you know, you want to get that nine, uh, nine, uh, nine, one, oh, I've, I lost it, nine, two, nine, one, two, nine, one, two, oh, nine, whatever it is, the Beverly Hills, you know, area code, right? So you want to know exactly where the line is so you can make sure you build in that area. So the boundaries, we create our lives around boundaries, right? And when those boundaries become um, unclear, Right, so then all of a sudden we find that there's tremendous chaos. The, the police in America, it's called what, what people call the thin blue line, right? Because there's there's like bad guys out there, there's good people, and there's the line that 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 uh, that marks between the good and the bad. And oftentimes, if that line gets attacked or that line disappears, the world becomes a very scary place. So I hopefully I've explained to you a that when God created the world, there is you know, he created a, a world with boundaries and that for all of our lives, in order to avoid chaos, we need to find boundaries because wherever boundaries do not exist, chaos enters the picture. And again, we mentioned in a physical world, when that happens, there's, it's a terrible thing. People are not meant to live in the water. So when there's like tsunami and all of a sudden your neighborhood is now in the water, right? Or again, even if you think about it, you know, like in, in Minneapolis, thank God, there's snow so much of the time, everyone gets out to live with snow. You go somewhere else, you know, there's a, a dusting of snow in California and all of a sudden the entire world's upside down. So it's not like anything can't be dealt with, but if it's dealt with in a place where the boundary doesn't exist, chaos ensues. So now we, if we think about chaos, we go back into our personal lives, you can say the exact same thing. That when we feel, and again, this is a really interesting thing because oftentimes we try to use our circumstances, a very important idea. Very often we, we try to use our circumstances to determine how we feel or how we should feel, right? So you look around and you say, this is going on and I should be feeling this way, X, Y, Z. But there's a much smarter way of doing it, which is to look at how you feel and then check out the circumstances, right? So if I, and, and this is this general concept called awareness, right? So oftentimes you might wake up and you say, well, the sun's not shining and, and I have, I'm in debt and you know, there's coronavirus, so I can't leave my house and, and my kids are annoying me and whatever it might be, right? And so you give all these reasons and you look at the world and there's certain way. And the reality is, if you are more in touch with yourself, you realize I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed and none of these things are actually problematic, which is super interesting, right? So the first thing is, rather than sort of looking at all of the all of the different things, try to clue in on yourself and see how you feel. And if a person feels like they're out of touch, if a person feels like they are a victim or that they are kind of at the mercy of how the world works, so then the, the reality is that they've lost the ability to have, they've lost boundaries. Boundaries have 
haven't been clearly defined. The biggest thing that causes you to feel a sense of lost and chaos at being at mercy of the world is not to have boundaries, right? And 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 that's that's a very important thing because it simplifies a lot of the problems that we have. Because if a person says to themselves, I feel out of power, I feel out of touch, I feel concerned, I feel frustrated, right? Oftentimes they can ask themselves, well, what boundaries have I not enforced or what boundaries have I not set down where that there is this chaotic element in my life? Period. Now, we're going to go into that, and I'm just going to give a very basic understanding of that. So one of the basic concepts of, of the Jewish Shabbat, which for people that are not aware, this is kind of like one of the most fundamental parts of Jewish life, and it's been that way for thousands of years, right? So one of the most, what what's the idea that on the sixth day, on, on Shabbos, on Shabbat, we cease doing any, any uh, productive activity? Right. So what does that ultimately mean? That means that a person is not at the mercy of at least the world of creation on that day of Shabbat, but rather they are free to kind of do their own thing. Right. They're free to not really do their own thing, but, they, but there's a boundary there. Right. So, again, the, the class is the phone comes off. Now, the net result is, again, for the people that have not tried this, there's a sense of tremendous enslaved enslavement, uh, servitude. How could I live? Again, that was the fun thing about about the coronavirus is it's like we, we just spend five days getting comfortable, six days getting comfortable of our kids being home because we have the added uh, added benefit of Netflix, YouTube, all these different things. Keep the kids distracted. Keep us distracted, whatever it might be. Shabbat comes and suddenly you're looking 25 hours with no electronics and you're like, oh my gosh, then what we should do? And again, in Minnesota, it poured rain last Shabbat, so I can go outside, right? So it's a, it's a crazy thing. So I totally get it. People might feel that this is something that locks them in, and this is something that makes them feel uh, enslaved. But the, the reality is that if a person lives with Shabbos, if a person lives with Shabbat, ultimately that becomes the most freeing experience in your life. Why? Because you know that just like there are times when it's super hard, things are going great, or there's a, there's a sports thing on, or there's a thing with business, or whatever it might be, and you really want to stay connected, you have to turn off. There are also plenty of times in life where the workplace is very frustrating, or there's you know there's stuff going on, or there's just a, such an abundance of bad news, whatever it might be, and you can actually take refuge in this time where you set the boundary that I'm not going to have any kind of this produ- uh, this kind of electronic in- involvement. So that's a great example of how just the institution of one day of a limited limited technology limiting stuff creates a great level of peace and joy for the people that actually practice it for the people that don't practice it but look at it right so then it just seems like a negative limitation I'll give you another example boundaries around food right so if a person would say um, you know uh, I'm not going to eat I'm just picking something random right I'm not going to eat carbs after nine o'clock I'm not going to eat food after nine o'clock or I'm you know not going to eat this kind of food or processed sugar or meat or again you pick your diet and enjoy it whatever it might be for a person that looks that as a, if they're not doing it, right, so then it seems like a horrifically uh, painful uh, enslaving endeavor. But if a person says, but I want to feel healthy, and they're able to actually hold on to a whatever it might be for a period of time, short time, for me it's three days, right, usually, where I can just, all of a sudden everything just, just gets recalibrated, suddenly you feel completely free. So that that's another great example. If I set up boundaries on what I'm going to eat, ultimately I can experience an infinite amount more more of freedom than I could if I did not have said boundaries. So boundaries ultimately are what creates freedom in our life. And we start to see that the more that we feel out of touch and out of control and 
things going sideways, we can say that I need to learn how to put a boundary around the things that are bothersome. Let's look into parenting. Again, I'm giving like a kind of circular example so that I can really hone in on the main ones coming up. I just want to give a lot of examples so that we can see how this works. So let's say parenting, right? I'm not a strict parent. I'm not a strict parent. Again, you, you, you can have the greatest experience of your life coming in and, and analyze my parenting if you want. You can say I'm a terrible parent. Say I'm a great parent. I, I, you know, whatever it is, do, <laughs> do your own thing. I'm not strict. I know I'm not strict. And as a result of me not being strict, so getting kids, my kids to listen to me is not an easy thing, right? But on the flip side, and, and that's, that's frustrating. And oftentimes I feel at, at, uh, at, um, what can I say? At the mercy of my kids, right? And and like, you know, Shabbat might come and we're not, we've never been like really strong. We don't hit our kids. We don't like yell at our kids. And we grew up in a, in a home, our we our home that my kids grew up in, we were always having lots of guests over. So it wasn't like we were, you know, telling the kids, you have to sit down. We oftentimes would orient our meals around the guests and the kids were part of that, but not the main focus. Okay, I, I get it, right? So it's difficult, but there are certain things on the flip side where we set boundaries and the kids know you can't go past that boundary. So for example, it might be things the kids say, language that they use, uh, ways that they talk to us, right? So the more that we can sort of set boundaries, and I appreciate with my own parenting, I should be much better at setting boundaries, right? That you find that calmness enters into the picture when you're able to push and and most important, enforce the boundaries. Because again, like we said, if the boundaries are not enforced and you don't actually draw a line in the sand and you don't actually enforce that they don't really mean anything. It's like, oh, hey, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, one, of the, one of the most beautiful places in the world that I've ever seen is the, is the La Jolla Coast, right, in, in San Diego. And there's this beautiful place right by downtown and it, it's on, you just can't imagine how gorgeous it is, right? But the, the crazy thing is that the ocean is eating away at the cliff. And so even though they might be building new stuff, Stuff, there's this like very real fear that the next 50 years that part of the cliff is just going to fall into the ocean, right? So the interesting thing is that it's like, you know, if the boundaries are not being enforced and I might not want to build a house that I'd be, have a very realistic uh, fear of that it would just go straight into the, uh, into the ocean, right? So you have to be able to enforce your boundaries, also the ones that you agree upon. And now even more fascinating than that is if you have a boundary that you don't enforce, it's oftentimes worse than not having a boundary at all. Why is that? Because ultimately, A, you build a level of intellectual security for yourself that, oh, I shouldn't worry right there's that boundary there but if you don't enforce it right so then your your fear your your comfort is is completely mislaid because the boundary is not really there because you're not going to enforce it and no one else is going to enforce it and so you you act as if something's there right again it's like wandering around let's say i don't know you're sitting in your backyard right so your guard is hopefully down because your backyard is a safe place to be so it's like you might leave your wallet on the table in your backyard you know maybe not overnight depending on what neighborhood you live in right in our neighborhood probably get eaten by the deer but uh but uh, you know you're you conduct yourself in a way where there's a certain level of relaxation when you you say, you know, there's, there's boundaries back here. I don't really watch my kids as much in my backyard because there's no cars back there. Again, they might get hit by a speeding deer. But other than that, like it's a pretty quiet place back there. Whereas if you know that there are dangers out there, you're always on guard, right? So you can watch. If, you're, if, there, is, if there is a busy street or there is a street, wherever it might be, or there are other people passing by, I watch my kids much more carefully. So so uh, so that that's the concept of that if a person and, and and again it's it's a really crazy thing because if we if we have boundaries 
and we don't enforce them, A, we screw ourselves up because uh, we, we, we operate with a level of a lack of fear, uh, a, a lack of, uh, you know, more, more security than we actually should because it's really not that safe. And on top of it, the people that break our boundaries learn that what we say doesn't really mean anything. And then they just, again, they just, they just will always push the rules because people always push the rules that you let them set up until they realize that you are unpushable. And once you're unpushable, so then all of a sudden people appreciate it. But if you have someone pushing your boundaries, not only do you get angry at them, but you feel even more kind of out of source. You feel less in your power. So again, practically speaking, if you're going to make boundaries, you have to make boundaries that you are going to enforce. Now let's talk about the real boundaries. Let's talk about the real boundaries that, that affect most of us. So oftentimes those are going to be boundaries that we find between us and other people. Now, uh, let's say, again, the things that come to mind the most would be potentially around the work environment. We ha potentially have around, uh, uh, you know, members of the other gender, perhaps, if that's, how, if that's, if that's an issue, and or um, our, our families. And these are all areas where, it, with, without careful watching of those boundaries, and I would also venture to say mentors. Mentors are people of authority, right? So I would venture to say in those areas, because there is a clear, um, not a balance of power per se, that we have to be extremely clear about what we're looking for, what we want, what we need prior to going into those sort of things. I always speak about there's this beautiful idea in uh, in in Lachadudi, uh, which is the thing we sing on Friday night, which is also uh, famously you know repackaged later in the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, talking about the, the that you have to start with the end in mind. So when in order for a person to live a meaningful life, you have to start by asking yourselves, what do I want to get out of this? And the, and the next step would always be, what are like, what's my my goal here in the first place, right? So oftentimes, you know, if a person thinks to themselves let's just say kids, for example, having children, right? So what's the goal? So obedience is definitely a goal. But the truth is that, at least for me, independence is a much bigger goal. So I want my kids to listen to me, but I would much rather my kids think for themselves. And so you have to learn if you're thinking through sort of what you want, you would much rather, you could totally beat, beat intellectually, emotionally, God forbid, not physically, but, but all of these things, it's not good. You could totally beat your spouse, your, your, your kids into submission right? You could always convince your spouse that they're always wrong or that they're such a loser or, and, and, and you'll find in those kinds of abusive situations that people will come back essentially and say, you know, they won't, they won't start up with you. And so then you'll have a wonderful life, quote unquote, where no one ever, where no one ever challenges you or bothers you. But at the end, you're, you're going to see the seed, you're going to see seed, the seeds of your own destruction. That's what we're looking for, right? Because ultimately your spouse is not going to love you if you're always telling them you're wrong and making them feel bad and pushing them not to be an equal partner with you. Your kids are not going to respect you if all you're doing is imposing your will upon them. Your kids are never going to learn how to stand up for yourself, for themselves. They're never going to have a healthy relationship with authority. I hate to say they're probably going to have a really hard time in the God relationship because all they see is the oppressive authority. So you have to be really careful that you are thinking through what is my ultimate long-term goal with said relationship before you start to act in a certain way. And so when you're building boundaries, so to speak, you have to think, well, what do I want? How should I allow these boundaries to serve my long-term goals and expectations, right? So if the goal of, of marriage is to have an open and loving and trusting relationship with your spouse, so the boundaries that you implement would have to be things that facilitate that goal. Now, again, 
that's an individual thing because ultimately we have to be, you know know ourselves and know our spouses and know our marriages. But practically speaking, let's say uh, one of the things that I was told before I got married, which I'd like to say I've tried to do, but oftentimes have not been terribly successful at, is you know you're not supposed to necessarily go to bed angry, right? And again, that's really bad advice if you're someone that doesn't think well when you're tired. Right, So it might be a heck of a lot better to go to bed angry or upset and then go back and look at the problem in the morning when you are you know, rested than to just have this stupid sort of rule that sort of you know, stands over everything and we can't go to bed when we're angry. So then you have these two people at four in the morning yelling at each other and the reality is they're just tired and they don't want to go to bed, but they have this stupid rule. So when you, when you build boundaries, they have to be highly tailored to you, your circumstances, what you want to get out of any given situation. Right, but but thinking through where do I want to go with it sets up the boundaries that we have. So it could be that um, it could be we don't have a friend uh, who says there, there's no phone in the bedroom room, right? Because he doesn't want the the phone to be distracted. I don't know if he follows this, probably not, but because you know, it's a hard thing to, to to do nowadays. And again, you don't want to make a rule that you're going to break. But aspires to have a boundary that you know the husband and the wife don't bring the phone into the bedroom because you know we don't want to be binging away on phones all, all night long and whatever it was they want, the bedroom be place where we're not focusing on the outside world, we're focusing on the inside world. Okay, that, that's that's an example. Again, that's pretty hard for most people, but you know, whatever whatever works for you, right? Um, you might have rules about uh, boundaries around what we tell other people, right? We might have, we might, and that, that, that's an important thing because, you know, a lot of times intimacy is built based on the fact that you can sort of have the bandwidth in a relationship to sort of be yourself without worrying that, your spouse is going to be broadcasting what you did, let's say, to his or her friends or his or her social media account. Like, that would be terrible if you think about it. But if you don't set that boundary, then you'll feel a sense. Again, think about it. Let's say that's not a boundary that's set. And again, we hope potentially that this would be something that's so basic that it's that it's uh, that you don't have to say it. But nowadays, you have to say kind of everything, right? You, you, would, have a, you would have a real fear that when you look at your spouse the wrong way, they're going to jump on their social media account and, and lay, off, uh, lay off exactly what you said. Or even better, they'll record you and then they'll, you know, then they'll, then they'll send it as a voice note to their mother or to your mother or, or, or to everyone's mother or to, you know, the neighborhood or to the, the, the WhatsApp group, right, with all, of the, with all the different Torah. And now you hear someone yelling at their spouse, right? So it's like in that environment, now great, one, on one hand, on one hand, it would definitely and this is a this is a Jewish concept, right? That, that God's watching everything. So on one hand, if you know that someone's watching you, you might be careful. You might be more careful with what you say and how you act. On the flip side, there's gonna be very little intimacy there, right? It's gonna be it's very hard to have intimacy in that kind of a situation simply because you're always going to be thinking, you know, is what I say to my wife or what my wife would say to me, is that something that I would be thrilled that my neighbor would hear, for better or for worse? And the answer is usually like, no. The reason why we get married and have close relationships is specifically that there is a level of openness that we can have with the people that we're closest to, but it's based on these boundaries of trust and what other people know and hear and appreciate and understand. Now, again, I would venture to say that it's downright abusive, frankly. Again, whatever. I'm saying my opinion. It's downright abusive if you set up that your spouse can never talk to anybody about anything, right? Because again, what is that? What is that saying? What are you? What what kind of leniencies do you give yourself? Do you give them? Do you give the relationship that like you're not you're not you know you don't have to like be answerable to anybody? So it's important for a spouse to figure out spouses to figure out together the boundaries around who you can talk to about certain things. Are you allowed to talk to the the, the parent, your parent? 
So again, some people might say, yeah, it's safe. Other people might say, are you crazy? Like that's the worst person you should talk to, right? Is it, is it a therapist? Is it a trusted friend? Is it one trusted friend? Is it three trusted friends? Get this stuff worked out because the more that you know, right, the more freedom and, and calmness that you can introduce back into your life. Again, so that's the idea of, of, of a spouse. Again, and the same thing's true with how we approach boundaries with members of the opposite gender, right? So that, that's an issue that um, this is not, you know, I, I feel like this issue is like really belabored by a lot of people. And, and, and unfortunately, and I hope that it is, uh, that again, it's really interesting because a lot of times Judaism will be seen as antiquated and then, uh, then new things will come out and we'll be like, wow, this is actually exceedingly cutting edge. So in the world that we live in now, post Me Too, post all of this kind of, of terrible things and all of these abuses that have been happening around the world, we appreciate that there should be a natural, uh, almost unspoken level of, of, of a boundary between a, a man and a woman, a, a, a woman, just, you know, in, 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 whenever there's a level of, of intimacy, of physical touch, of, of potential romantic connection, you have to have boundaries worked out very clearly because as is most things, when there's when there's a relationship, you could. There's a guy named Malcolm Gladwell who wrote a bunch of phenomenal books. Um, the Tipping Point was one that was great, um, but but his most recent book, I believe it's called Dining with Strangers or Eating with Strangers. It's a, it's a it's a study on how people um, do not really know anything that's going on in the heads of other people. So even if you say to yourself you're a good reader, of, uh, you're a good or good reader of people, chances are you're not, and 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 you really don't usually know what people have going on in their mind. And it's important to sort of appreciate that you don't know. So the reason why we have boundaries is that there might be things that you think that are okay that are making someone else uncomfortable. There might be other things that people think are okay that you think is uncomfortable. So the, the, the ability to effectively build these kinds of boundaries allow us the opportunity to live in a world that is peaceful and calm and in, in, enjoying where you don't have to worry that you're freedom of movement or that your body or that your mind, all of the things get violated, right? Now, so that's a very, that's that's a, a second important piece of where boundaries apply. Same things with work in general and with bosses in general, right? So a lot of time, the work, the work environments change, right? And we, the, 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 the crucial nature, and this is for bosses, this is for people that work for bosses, this is for everybody, the nature of the workplace is crucial in order to ensure people's success. People do not work the best if they're if they're you know kind of ground down to the bone and made to feel really bad and all that kind of stuff. All of the evidence suggests the opposite. And if you look at the truly cutting edge companies nowadays, again, you know the cool thing is you know with um, with with the, with the coronavirus, you're seeing that big tech, you know, the really big techs, the apples, the Amazons, all these kinds of things. So they're they're growing incrementally now. I know there are certain companies that have bad culture, but most of the most a lot of the <laughs> I'm going to get busted on the fact checker for this. But you can see that one of the paradigms of a, of a growing company, we hope, is that they have a good eye towards towards community and company culture, and that there's an appreciation, you as the employee or you as the employer have to appreciate there are, there's a level, there's a, there's a boundary that could and should exist between you and the other person in your office. What you can talk about, what you can say, how you can motivate, how you can't motivate, you know, all of that kinds of stuff. And the more that you have that articulated, the better off you are. Granted, we live in a world where this is from a book called *The Speed of Trust*, which was Warren, uh, which is by Stephen Covey's son. Speaks about uh, and 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 Warren Buffett was talking about, you know, that if there's trust, all you need is a handshake. And if you don't have any kind of trust, that's when you need lawyers and all the litigation and all the things that define all that kind of stuff. Whatever it might be, either way, there's a boundary. Trust is a very powerful boundary. If we 
can shake on a deal and we can agree that that's the deal, then that's a boundary that because we've shook on it, now I don't have to worry about it, right? So the boundaries are absolutely crucial in, in our marital life, in our family life, in our um, business life, social life, all these kinds of things. Does a boundary, should a boundary, where does the boundaries exist in religious life? So interestingly enough, the beauty of Judaism is that it's a system that is full of boundaries, right? There are all kinds of things where you can do this, you can't do this, you should do this, you shouldn't do this within certain consequences. Again, we're coming into the holiday of Passover and the boundary there is no, no bread, no bread in your mouth, no bread in the house, no bread that you can see, no bread that you, you own, all this kind of stuff. So it sets up very clearly in order for you to fulfill, to really live the, the, the lesson and the legacy of Pesach, it's full of boundaries, right? Now, one of the biggest challenges ultimately, this is where things get a little bit hairy, but we're going to work on it together because like, why not, is um, where do boundaries apply between you and God, so to speak? And, and to a certain extent, if a person sets up boundaries with what they can become, and again, let's let, we'll get to God in a second, but but let's let's think about our own mindset and our own ways of being, right? So, are there should there is it important? How does one build boundaries in their own mind? Because we talked about how crucial it is in every other area of life to have and to develop and to create healthy separations, have healthy boundaries, and enforce them in order for you to not have so much chaos in your life. So. I believe that it would start to a certain perspective of, and, and again, this is um, <laughs> this is something that I know in and out because I've suffered and I've, I've, I've fought through this for my whole life or for, for much of my life, is that we oftentimes uh, naturally think that the way that we think is reality. And when you start to develop a little bit more clarity and a little bit more understanding about how the human mind works, so we start to realize that our thoughts are not necessarily reality. And how we see ourselves is not necessarily reality. It's a decision that we are making. And once you start to appreciate that maybe the negativity that you're consistently telling yourself or the imposter syndrome, oh, I shouldn't be able to do something like this. This is way beyond me. Oh, you know, I, who am I to do something like that? The more that you see those kinds of things are not intrinsically true, but rather they are products of different parts of your mind. So then you can actually start to set boundaries around not having those thoughts anymore. Again, it does. Now, now this is it's important. It does not happen overnight. It's absolutely crucial for us to appreciate that this is a project that we have to embark upon and not just something that naturally happens. But if a person finds themselves in a place of chaos, and if a person finds himself in a place of negativity and frustration, right, then we have to be aware that we can set boundaries into what we allow ourselves to think, or even better, when we allow ourselves to think certain things. So one of the most calming, most wonderful gifts you can give yourself is after a certain time, you can tell yourself you're going to turn off the negative judgment, right? So let's say, you know, again, I want to accomplish a lot in my life and and I, I want to accomplish a lot in my life. And as a result of that, I, you know, I'm constantly pushing myself more and more and more, do more and more and more, all that kind of stuff right? But um, at night when, it, you know, it's like bedtime and I'm not doing anything else, I can just turn that off. So you give yourself a window, so to speak, at the end of the day or maybe the beginning of the day where you can change your mind so that you aren't speaking about the things that are, are, are bothering you and, and being and being difficult for you. So I think what hopefully we've provided is, oh, and I didn't speak about the God idea also. It's the same thing. It's the same thing, which is oftentimes the biggest destruction that we have. Just one moment, please, as we know that we are living in a wonderful world of uh, kids no longer going to school. I'm going to speak to my children. 
Girls, you must leave immediately. Thank you very much. Right now. I'm sorry, I'm just taking pictures. Right, right now. <gasps> Can you, I have the right now, you must leave immediately. Thank you very much. Love you. Love you too. Love you. Bye. Now, thank you. Okay, so, um, so in the idea of God, so I think that if a person thinks about their religious life, um, oftentimes uh, they're, uh, they're, what they what they deal with in their lives is that they are awash with all the same negative judgment they oftentimes tell themselves. So God couldn't love me the way that I am. I'm never going to be good enough for God. God just wants to you know make my life miserable. God is untrustworthy, so to speak, or God is going to you know punish me. All of those kinds of things. So oftentimes the feelings that the nat naturally a person experiences are not are, are limitations on what they can accomplish in their religious lives. And so those are also boundaries that we can set up, which is why it's so fascinating that the rise of much of um, more more modern Hasidic literature and, and other kinds of Jewish f philosophy has infiltrated, has developed, is now being spoken about in the, in the Jewish world. Not saying it wasn't before, but whatever it might be, right? Because it allows us to create a counterbalance behind the negativity that oftentimes, you know, pushes us. Because if you're learning Judaism and you're thinking about God and you're thinking there's, you know, many, many commandments and that God is perfect, the natural place that a person might go to is, uh-oh, I'm not that good, or uh-oh, I'm never going to be able to do everything. And the fascinating thing is Pirkei Avot, the Ethics of the Father, starts out by saying, you know what, you, everyone is doing a great job. And now let's talk about how to get better. But you have to start with this idea of you're doing a great job. So the idea of, of in a person's religious life, learning how to set boundaries around what they think is possible, or maybe the judgment they're putting up upon themselves and therefore projecting on God, think that God's judging them, right? Or you could say, I'm going to put a boundary on the amount of stuff that makes me feel like I have to get better and the amount of stuff that just makes me feel good the way I am. So the, the, again, the, the, the beauty of setting boundaries and setting limits and setting parameters on your life, and, you, and we spoke through you can do it in, in so many different areas, is really the greatest opportunity, the greatest life-affirming force that we have. It's a beautiful thing. It's something that's absolutely crucial. And the more that we can set boundaries in our lives, the better the better we are. So I wanted to give everyone a blessing. They should, they should um, set as many boundaries as they can, uh, that they can enforce, that give them peace and joy and, and make them happy and create more structure for them. And, and that they should live lives of tremendous, tremendous, beautiful, um, tremendously beautiful meaning that's, that's structured and it's not chaotic and it's and it's because it doesn't have to be that way thank you so much i appreciate your support and for listening thank you there you have it folks another inspiring episode if you enjoyed this i ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on rabbi rup through facebook or on youtube and the more that we're able to get these important messages out the more that we can really make an impact in the world so i encourage you please to stay tuned uh, we have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.